Greetings and salutations, and welcome to yet another episode of The Good Lawyer Show. We are excited and honored that you are joining us. This week, we are attempting to take on a couple of the most frequently asked legal questions that we receive here at Good Lawyer. Alongside me, mostly to ensure I don't say anything completely inaccurate, we have on friend of the show and corporate lawyer extraordinaire Josh Weinberger. Now, before we jump in, a couple of points really need to be made. First, the questions we chose to answer are fairly basic legal questions. The first is when is an appropriate time to incorporate your business? And the second is how to keep your business in good standing after incorporation. Sounds simple, right? You would think that two lawyers who both have experience in this area would be able to answer these fairly easily. And while we did our very best to answer them succinctly without using too many legal terms, we still at times found it hard not to get dragged into the weeds. The law, as you will hear, is nuanced, and even on these basic questions, there are often multiple issues to consider. So our goal on the show is not to turn you into an expert, but rather to make you aware and to give you context around these issues so that when you do encounter them, you are better prepared to deal with them. Second, and I really cannot emphasize this enough, this is not legal advice. We are simply providing legal information, so make sure you do consult with lawyers so that you can be advised on the nuances of your particular situation. Now I'd be remiss, remiss I say, if I didn't mention that we have a smorgasbord of excellent lawyers on the Good Lawyer platform that can take care of all of this stuff for you. Because let's be honest, you didn't start your business so you can be slowed down by having to deal with all these legal matters. Time is money, as they say, and your time is much more valuably spent growing your business instead of sitting on Google for four hours and trying to figure this stuff out. The fact is that all these good lawyers already know this stuff, so instead of wasting your time hoping that you find the answer, why not book a 15-minute advice session and get the answers you are looking for right away? We are so confident that you will find what you're looking for that we're going to give you a free 15-minute advice session with a lawyer of your choosing. Simply head to our site at goodlawyer.ca, click on book an advice session, and enter the promo code GLSHOW. That's G as in good, L as in lawyer, show in all capital letters. It's really that simple. All right, that is it for me. Let's get to your questions. Josh, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm really good, man. I'm happy to be here. Episode number two for me. I'm yes. uh, glad to be back. You are our first repeat guest, so, you know... We'll have to send you out a medal or something because uh, we haven't we actually haven't thought that far uh, far ahead. But uh, happy happy that you're here, and I know that you're a little depressed about the weather right now. It is winter in Calgary, and uh, you know they, you're known as the sunshine man around here. So I know you're taking this a little hard. It's bumming me out for sure. The winter is hitting full force. It dark at six p.m. Two feet of snow outside. It's. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, more time to stay focused on the law now. Oh, my God. Give me a break, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, nothing warms your heart more than talking about substantive laws. So this is why we have you on tonight. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll be leaving here uh, just fired up and ready to get after it again. So let's uh, let's jump right into some of the questions that have been sent our way. Because I, I know that's uh, what's getting you excited here. So um, question one is from Adam, who asks... 
A friend and I both have full-time jobs, but are attempting to start a marketing consulting business on the side. We've been at it for about eight months and are starting to attract a few clients and book a few more jobs. My question is, when is it appropriate to incorporate? So first off, thank you for the question, Adam. Thank you for sending that our way. Um, When should you incorporate is in fact one of the most common questions many business lawyers get asked. Uh, But before we dive into when it's appropriate to incorporate, there's a couple other issues that popped up for us. So we just wanted to make sure that we uh, make you aware and everyone else aware of those as well. And uh, the first, first off, from the sounds of it, you are currently in a partnership with your friend. Now, I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole as there are multi-volume textbooks written on this subject uh, and we can be here all day. But Josh, do you want to give just a brief overview of what a partnership is and some of the things that you should be aware of con- when conducting business under this structure? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, first off, Matt, uh, you're answering this question like a really diligent law student. So <laughs> this takes me back. I, I, I love it here. So we're doing the issue spotting. That's right. So the partnership thing, um, essentially anytime uh, you're out engaged in a business with one or more other individuals, um, the law deems you to be basically carrying on a, a common venture, which means that you know, you're essentially, if Matt and I are out on the street and we're, we're providing services or we're trying to sell a product um, and we have no formal relationship kind of papered or structured between the two of us, the law will deem us basically to be operating in a partnership. So practically what that means is that Matt is an agent for the business and I'm also an agent for the business and Matt's an agent for me and I'm an agent for Matt. So if Matt does something wrong or gets us (laughs) in trouble, he gets both of us in trouble. He gets the, the partnership in trouble. So yeah, and this, this isn't the 007 badass kind of agent. But being an agent of one another essentially means that when I make a decision for the partnership, whether you knew about it or not, you're bound by it, correct? And another point about partnerships is they, unlike corporations, have no protective mechanism built in, meaning that if something goes wrong, and even if I didn't know about it, say if you enter into a contract without my consent even, but it's in the normal course of business under that partnership, they could come after my personal assets to cover any loss or damages that may result from that. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think we'll get into this when we talk about uh, incorporation a little bit, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the the kind of scary thing about the partnership is that you do not get the benefit of the of the limited liability. So you are exposed and like I said, um, if we are deemed to be in a partnership together, we're conducting this uh, new business venture that we've come up with, and we're both out there uh, kind of actively promoting it and actively doing it. Yeah, as you say, if, if you made a really bad decision for the business and you got us in trouble, yeah. somebody could be coming after my house to help uh, <laughs> to help cover that off. And well, I would be okay with that. I'm sure you wouldn't. But yeah, that's just the first thing, Adam. Just be careful that whenever you are, if you are in this situation with your partner, that you do understand that you guys have full liability and that you know you guys are responsible for one another. So just make sure it's someone that you trust. Um, so just moving on to the second issue before we actually answer your question, and this is one of the things about lawyers, you ask a simple question, you get an essay as a response, and I apologize for nothing. But, uh, and I, again, I, I don't want to get dragged 
too deep down this rabbit hole, but there is another issue, and this is regarding intellectual property. I'm not too sure what you do for your full-time work. If your marketing uh, partnership that you have with your friend right now is competing with your current job, this could cause some issues where your current employer could potentially, if you are competing, if you're senior enough uh, employee there and owe that company what's known as fiduciary duties, essentially a, a duty of loyalty and trust. If if you are violating those by taking trade secrets, by taking any other sort of intellectual property or any like even processes from that company, they might have a claim. Now these are tend to be fairly rare in reality because it's difficult to go after you for these types of things. And courts generally favor the ability of uh, a person to be able to compete and earn a living and they like to protect that right. But you do need to be careful there uh, just to make sure that you are in fact doing this on your own and aren't stealing anything from your former employer. Josh, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I I think the best thing to have a look at is your employment agreement. If you have a formal one in place with your employer, sometimes employment agreements will contain clauses around basically that restrict your ability to, to compete with your employer. So you want to have a look at that, make sure that whatever your side hustle is, is not somehow putting your, uh, your main gig, your, your employee, your employment gig at risk. Exactly. So now, at long last, on to your actual question. So when should you incorporate? Again, volumes have been written on this subject, Josh. Uh, but do you want to just give us a brief overview of what incorporation means and when you think a company should start thinking about uh, taking that step? Well, let's start generally with the idea of, of when you need to start thinking about legal consequences of the type of business that you're engaged in. I think the important thing uh, that sort of resonates with me when I kind of hear the question here is that uh, it's important to start thinking about the legal consequences of what you're doing as soon as you're getting involved with external stakeholders, other stakeholders in your business. So you've mentioned here that you've got a, a buddy here that we're working with. So we went through this sort of potential partnership type issue you're selling products or you're attracting new clients well now you've got external stakeholders and these are all things to consider because it introduces you know opportunities for your business but also introduces risks and potential liabilities and just things uh, to think about and these are all issues that might trigger and steer you in the direction of uh, of seeking to incorporate yeah, and, and great points there. And again, just uh, unlike partnerships, corporations, one of the key attributes of this type of business structure is that they do provide limited liability, meaning that you're only going to be responsible for what you put into the corporation. So if things, unlike when you're in a partnership, uh, if things do go wrong, and let's say your your business goes bankrupt and you owe creditors you know, a lot of money for whatever, they can't come after your house, your car, your computer, <laughs> whatever, your DJ booth, whatever it is that uh, you hold valuable. They can't come after that unless it's uh, an asset that's actually owned by the corporation. There are actually two separate legal entities, yourself and a corporation, even if you are the only shareholder of that corporation. So that's one of the biggest benefits of it, that anytime that you're starting to enter contracts 
if you're taking on partners, if you're hiring staff, if you're thinking about raising money, investors can generally protect themselves a lot better within a corporate structure. And then, of course, if there's any physical danger, uh, like if you have an office building, and as we know, it's uh, it's icy here in Calgary today, someone comes and slips on your steps. Yeah, insurance, but insurance, as we all know, likes to not pay out as much as possible. And if things go wrong and they deny the claim, again, you could be on the hook for that. So even simple little things like walking into an office could potentially be enough to say, you know what, it's time to uh, think about incorporation. Yeah, so that that's kind of my earlier point here about, you know, once you start engaging with stakeholders, now you're introducing potential risks and liabilities. So you want to kind of think about what's the nature of your business? How are people getting involved with your business? Um, and does that carry risk of, well, we'll start with, does that carry risk of getting sued? And if the business that you're engaging, that you're engaging in somehow carries a somewhat legitimate risk of getting sued, well, then right off the bat, that's a that's a good reason <laughs> a good, to good incorporate. Reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, one, one thing that, Matt was kind of discussing is something that we get introduced to through law school, you know, this concept of this uh, separate legal personality that a, that a corporation or a company has. And it's kind of this weird legal trick that, <laughs> that we play in our, in our society where we say uh, Josh Co. is different than Josh the individual. And so if Josh Co. is engaging in this business and it gets sued... Well, it's Josh Coe that's on the hook and not me as Josh behind it, right? So that's a, that's a weird thing to kind of wrap your head around. Uh, but it is the starting point, I think, of yeah. what would direct you towards uh, incorporating in the first place. And, and as an entrepreneur, you know, which I know many of you listening are, it's risky. And you don't want to put your whole life on the line. And corporations are actually excellent in the sense that you can mitigate quite a bit of that risk by incorporating and knowing that, hey, okay, I'm willing to put this much into the middle and take this shot, but not anymore, and be able to organize your business around that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're kind of uh, sitting here and spitballing a whole bunch of exactly. hypotheticals and that kind of thing. I think the, the important thing is there's a lot of factors that can, <laughs> uh, that can lead you towards incorporation and lead you towards, uh, you know, deciding on what the appropriate structure and organizational vehicle is for the business that you're operating. Um, but I, I really think fundamentally, as soon as you start engaging with stakeholders, as soon as you bring a partner into your business, as soon as you start, as Matt said, engaging employees or dealing with customers, it's important to speak to a lawyer so that they can, you know, help you analyze this, this set of unique facts and circumstances around your business and around your around your idea and, and help you decide on what the appropriate vehicle is. And I think in most cases, in my experience, we find that incorporation is the right way to go because it, it has so many of these benefits that we've talked about. But it's always ideal to chat <laughs> with a lawyer to figure that out. And obviously, if you do have any questions about incorporation or any other issues around this matter, we do have a litany of fantastic lawyers here, a good lawyer that can help you out with all of this. So make sure you book an advice session and they can get you sorted out pretty quickly. Thanks again for the question, Adam. On to the next question. 
So question two is from Abdul who asks, I have recently incorporated a business, but am unsure of what I must do to keep it compliant going forward. I know there are annual filings that need to happen, but I don't know the specifics. Also, do I need a lawyer to keep my corporation compliant or can these be done myself? So thank you for the question, Abdul. Uh, so you are correct. There are several things that need to happen each year to keep your corporation in good standing. Uh, Josh, do you want to take us through the basics of what those are? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, generally speaking, uh, the requirements for keeping your, your company in good standing depend, first of all, on the jurisdiction where your company is incorporated. So here in Canada, it might be under one of the uh, provincial business corporations act so one of the provincial jurisdictions or you could incorporate under the canada business corporation act so that piece of legislation uh whatever jurisdiction you registered your company under that's going to dictate sort of what your uh, your compliance requirements look like and there's little nuances uh from jurisdiction to jurisdiction about what that sort of looks like but generally speaking there's kind of a few buckets, I guess, of, of filings and approvals and, and record-keeping requirements that you have to go Don't through. Don't get too excited, all right? This is, this is why everyone turns into entrepreneurs right here. <laughs> Annual filings, greatest time of the year. <laughs> Annual filings, some approval requirements and record-keeping requirements that you kind of have to have in mind and, and comply with. So your annual filings, uh, generally your annual filings will consist of some sort of disclosure submission to the corporate registrar in the jurisdiction that sort of governs your business and they want to know basic information about about your business about your corporation so uh, you're disclosing the name of your company the registered address of your company who the directors are of your company and who are the voting shareholders yeah and it's just it's just a simple form that you essentially mail into the registrar correct yeah, so this kind of goes to the, the second part of this question uh, about, you know, is this something I can do or is this something that we need to engage a lawyer for? And generally speaking, law firms will have access to the filing system that allows for the submission of these documents. It doesn't mean that a lawyer has to do it. These are things that you can do if you can figure out how to read the legislation <laughs> and understand what you need to disclose. But I think you can also just attend at a a registry yeah. office and uh, people in the registry offices across Canada also have access to the um, the corporate filing system where they can submit these forms on your behalf as well. Yeah, it's great. So you know that old picture you have on your driver's license, you can go get that updated and file your annual filings for your corporation all at the same time. It's just, it's a great, it's a great afternoon, great afternoon. So the second thing is just, and I will touch on it very quickly, uh, annual taxes. Obviously the government wants their cut of whatever it is that you're doing. And honestly, on this one, you don't need a lawyer, but you definitely need an accountant. You got to remember that that separation that even if you're the only shareholder, the corporation is a different entity. So you can't just file corporate income on your personal income taxes. So I would just recommend unless you really have a lot of patience and want to figure out that I think it's a T2 document or something like that. Exactly. His hands are in the air right now. Uh, just hire an accountant. They can unless you're doing some crazy stuff they can do this pretty easily they have a ton of experience most of them doing this kind of stuff so that would be the second requirement 
So the next issue to keep your corporation compliant is the annual shareholder meetings, uh, which are very important. So Josh, do you want to just take us through what those are and uh, what you have to make sure you get done? Yeah, for sure. So if you if you have a company, every year your board members have to do certain things and your shareholders have to approve certain things. So annually, shareholders have two responsibilities. The first role of shareholders annually is to elect directors, and the second role of the shareholders is to either appoint or waive the appointment of an auditor for the company for the upcoming year. Now, a small corporation or someone that, you know, a a small family business or whatever, they're that has, let's say, one or two, maybe three shareholders, they're not going to call a meeting, are they? Or is there a way around that? Yeah, so all of the corporate business uh, statutes across Canada allow for a written resolution of the shareholders to replace a shareholder meeting. So essentially a piece of paper that says, hey, we are the shareholders and we elect these people to be the directors and we appoint whatever firm to be the auditor or we don't need an auditor this year simple as that right so unless you're a, a public company on the Toronto Stock Exchange or something like that essentially and what most corporations private corporations will do is in lieu of an actual meeting because meetings especially during the time of COVID and that's actually no joke can be a little bit uh, tough to get everyone together uh, I'm sure anyone who's ever thrown a party, it's tough enough to get five people together <laughs> at one time rather than, uh, you know, especially if you have a bunch of busy professionals. But like Josh said, said, in lieu of having that meeting and electing the directors as well as the auditor, you can just do all of this uh, through a written resolution, written shareholder resolution. Uh, and that needs to be signed by all shareholders, correct? Yeah, that's right. So anytime you're going to replace what should be a meeting with a piece of paper saying this is what we want to do, it needs to be signed by everybody. Uh, If you're going to go with a meeting, in a meeting context, you generally go with a majority vote of the the voting shareholders that are present at the meeting. Right. And that can uh, at some points get fairly contentious because when you do elect directors, they are the people that ultimately control the corporation. So I know it's, you know, you've probably heard some horror stories in your day about some contentious shareholder meetings, but I think most of them go fairly peacefully, hopefully. And uh, the other thing I just want to quickly touch on is the appointment of an auditor. Unless you're a public company, you don't really, you don't need an auditor. You can just dispense with that requirement. So you know, you should keep good records for your own sake, but there's no legal requirement to have an accountant audit your company on a year-to-year basis. Is that correct? Yeah, the auditor requirement is something that essentially just sits with public companies, so companies that are listed on a stock exchange. Excellent. So my final question for you, Josh, is do you need a lawyer to you know do those basic things like director's resolutions or shareholder resolutions? Or can you can someone who's just running like, you know, a small company themselves, can they just essentially make sure that they have that in writing in some way, shape or form? Or is that something that a lawyer should absolutely get involved with? I think I'll kind of approach this like I did earlier. It, I think it depends a little bit how many stakeholders you have involved. But also, I think it depends on what your tolerance is for kind of operating in a little bit of this ambiguous space. If it, 
fundamentally matters to you that you know you have good records and that you know you're compliant well getting professional help means that that's going to be done right and you can you can sort of run your business with that that peace of mind knowing that your corporate records are tight that you're compliant with uh, with the corporate law and you're not going to get in trouble on that side of things the flip side of that is if you you don't want to engage professional help for that at the very least what you should be doing is keeping really good thorough corporate records keep them organized document how you're running your business and that'll really just save you a lot of potential headache going forward if you if you do decide to grow your business or engage yeah. additional stakeholders and that kind of thing there's a chance that you're going to run into a moment where if you haven't kept good records you're going to need to engage a lawyer anyways and they're going to have to try to rebuild all of that <laughs> so yeah i guess my my point is if peace of mind matters to you on this, then yeah, definitely seek professional help, and it it shouldn't be a overly costly thing yeah. to do. It's it's pretty routine and and pretty simple. Um, and then the next best thing you can do is just keep really good, thorough, detailed, yeah. organized records. And I, I'll just to jump on that, if you do have a lawyer that you trust, uh, this is a good time to check in too. Like, hey, this is what's happening. It gives that lawyer a, a you know a quick opportunity to make sure there's no landmines that you might be stepping on inadvertently. And to your point, uh, these are not these are fairly standard templates. Again, they can get more complicated as with anything, and that's the problem with laws. It's nuanced. Everything's nuanced. But for the most part, these things are pretty standard. They can whip them out pretty quickly and shouldn't cost you a whole heck of a lot. And I have heard horror stories, and actually I know one personally um, – where someone didn't do this for 15 years, just ran their business, the business became much more successful than they realized, and it, which was a great thing, but then they went to sell it to a like an institutional investor, and they had to, re- exactly what you just said, they had to retrace all their steps for the last 15 years because this was essentially a bank, and they don't just take things, they want to know what they're buying, and the amount of, uh, you know, it was a significant cost that cut, that cut into what, otherwise would have been money that he would have walked away with uh, having to rebuild all these records. So I think I agree 100% to your point that if you're not going to hire a lawyer, at least, please, for your own sake, just make sure you're keeping good financial records. I know it's annoying. Nobody likes doing it, but uh, it'll, it can save you a lot of headaches in the, in the future. And uh, well, that brings us to the end of our first uh, Q&A here. So we'll see how this one goes. Uh, you know, it was fun though. Uh, and again, it's kind of funny uh, just to kind of give you a uh, behind the scenes look here we we paused the recording about 15 times here because even these basic questions there's a lot of nuance there as you can probably tell even by us trying to answer these as succinctly as possible so again this is where a lawyer can be a huge value add to your company if they do understand you know what it is that you're going through if they've seen similar experiences in the past because even simple questions of like when should i incorporate you know it can raise a lot of issues that you want to make sure that you understand just so that as you progress you have confidence that you know that your corporation and company and probably your livelihood is set up in a way that you want it to and that you firmly understand it and have your two feet on the ground obviously good lawyer we're here to help in any way we can um you know so make sure you check out the website but uh any any parting shots here josh i had a great time man i'm looking forward to uh more questions and uh yeah diving into this again in the future awesome thank you very much for listening and hopefully you found this helpful Thanks again to Josh for coming on the show. 
If you do have any legal questions that you'd like us to answer, please email them to me at matt at goodlawyer.ca. Until next time, live long and prosper.